The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of The Godfather, Part 3, where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this movie. Joining me today on the panel are Mike Creevy. Hi, Mike. Hey, guys. How's it going? Very well. Very well. And Andrew Hermes. Hey, Andrew. Hello, hello, for the third time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, as we round up our our discussion of the, the Godfather saga, uh, that we we brought the the gang back together again. It's been a it's been a bit since we talked about Godfather too. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to get get us back together again and, and finish this up finally. Uh, before we get to that, I do a couple uh, bits of housekeeping, folks. Remember to like the secrets of movies and TV shows on Facebook, where you can find us at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Be sure to retweet us where we're on at Twitter at SQPN uh, and leave us comments and wherever you find us. We want to hear from you and and uh, interact with you online and uh, see what you think of and what insights you might have as well. And uh, I want to tell you about another show on the network. You're sure to enjoy called raising the bets. That's a show I do with my wife, Melanie, and you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at uh, sqpn.com slash bets. That's B E T T S. Right. So yes, we are back to talk about the Godfather part three. Um, this was uh Again, my first time watching it was uh, when we when I watched it for this. So I was one of those guys who had not seen the movies before. We talked, you know, talked about it on the podcast. And uh, when I was approached this, I, I had to make a decision: which one do I watch? Do I watch the original 1990 theatrical release? Do I watch the version edited for home theater release? The like in the the next year, I think it was. Or do I watch the uh, Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone, which was a recut that came out in 2020 in theaters and then to went to uh, home home theater release. And uh, <clears throat> actually, I think you can only watch the home the home video recut from the 1990 version uh, because they I don't think you can get the original theatrical. I think there was only minor changes anyway. Uh but had you either of you guys seen the the 2020 recut? No, I didn't. I didn't get around to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I read all about it because mm-hmm. I was you know curious. Obviously, right. and you know the the impressions that I got, like the stuff that they added, didn't really you know do enough and yeah, yeah substantially. So yeah, I never got around to revisiting that. It looks great. I got to tell you. I mean, I saw the trailer online for it and com- comparing it to what I just watched of the uh I watched the digital release from the original movie uh, the original release and it looks it looks beautiful I gotta say you know the just the mm. way they've remastered it um but uh yeah I I have a feeling it's the sort of changes that a director makes that he thinks are substantial and that an average viewer is gonna go so what did you change right. <laughs> that sort of thing um but I, I heard that the opening sequence was modified the most or something. Did, yeah. Did Coppola say something about that? But I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess but I haven't heard it, what it was shortened or. Yeah. 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 The whole movie 
is shorter by like four minutes okay. or something like that. And yeah, it's not a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to guess they probably, he probably shortened some of the, uh, the scenes in that opening. Mm-hmm. Cause it, there were a few moments in that opening that were kind of long, shall we say? I think, well, that whole opening is like a good half hour, you know, you're, well, which yeah. kind of needs to be, I think. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, but right. This is a bit of a bookend, isn't it? Because that's what the, yeah. it, it echoes what happens in the first Godfather movie. Right. Where you have um, Connie's wedding, which takes yeah. a half hour of that film, the first half hour. And now you have this event, which is right. pseudo sacramental, uh, mm-hmm. which is. Yeah, and then you had in the second movie, you had um, Anthony's first communion, which also right. took. A good, a, a, at least a half hour of that one and it seems right. to be just this is how we start godfather movies with with a big right. sacramental scene of some sort and party because it's always the party mm-hmm. afterward right so and you have all these you have all these people at this this party or this event and you know it looks kind of i feel like it feels somewhat normal even if you haven't like i haven't been to necessarily big things quite like that in that way but it's like I find it interesting how as it explores that and you feel kind mm-hmm. of comfortable or at home at it at the same time, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, but there's a lot of yeah. shady stuff going on. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, on the surface, as someone from an Italian-American family, that those events feel real, not the, you know, mm. making the dirty deals on the side. I mean, they might have actually happened when I was a kid. Who knows? But the, <laughs> you know. The kids running around, the parents, you know, singing yeah. to the music, the food everywhere, all the food. There was always <laughs> tons of food, yeah, which, you know, just a, uh, that, that's like a lot of uh, ethnic communities. And in fact, I, I don't think mm-hmm. you have to be Sicilian to find this looking familiar. You know, I think a lot of especially Mediterranean cultures are like this Greek mm-hmm. and, Ita- you know, Greeks, Italians, mm-hmm. French. Uh, Chaldeans are like that. So I would say that it. It feels I love how he directs these scenes because they feel real, like that scene where he's where uh, Michael is dancing with um, got to get all the names right. So Sophia, Mary, um, mm-hmm. his daughter mm-hmm. and the little kid kind of like comes yeah. in, you know, and that's yeah. so that feels so like unscripted and real. It had to have been unscripted. And so <laughs> what do you do? You just kind of, well, you know, you kind of give into the moment. You, yeah. you you wonder where is their mother, <laughs> this child's mother, right. <laughs> and then you know you you go on and you incorporate her into the dancing or whatever. And I just feel like it's part of the brilliance of Coppola, where he just he makes it feel so natural. Anyway, well, it's like he threw a party and then they, you know, rolled cameras. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know, it's like like the people in the scene genuinely seem to be enjoying themselves. You know, <laughs> it, it makes you wonder how long they uh, the that scene took to film that whole sequence uh it's kind of amazing yeah yeah and you know usually for for a scene like that um they 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 try to be as efficient as possible so in most films they would they would yeah they would have like some extras and 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 shoot it like in a certain way where it looks like there's a bunch of people there but there's really not you know because of the angles maybe they'll get one you know, wide shot where they only need a bunch of extras for like, you know, a a few, uh, you know, for like an hour. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, like you said, it's he's literally throwing a party. And and right. And like in the in the first one, it's like they literally threw a wedding. Um, it was huge. It's, yeah. <laughs> so I can only imagine, yeah, all the moving pieces and, and the logistics of that must have been uh, right. must have been a difficult thing to shoot. But, you know, so I mean, the, this is the guy who 
you know, d- directed Apocalypse Now. If you know anything, you know, if you know mm-hmm. anything about the behind the scenes of that film, yeah. <laughs> you know, this guy could direct anything. Like he's yes. been through it all um, by, by, by this point. So, uh, so yeah, he's just obviously a master at his craft. And, um, you know, this movie is not really his, his shi- a shining moment for him uh, in most people's eyes, but he, he, but you can still tell in this film, he knows how to direct the heck out of a, out of a movie. Yes. Uh, so we should point out that uh, this was co-written by a cop, uh, Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo, who wrote the original book and the original screenplay. So this, the, the Godfather movies is really a collaboration between these two men. And, uh, you know, the direction is all Coppola, but, you know, the, the writing is, is also Puzo. Uh, so it, it feels like this, you know, part of this, the the movie, in, in other words, what am I trying to say? Sometimes you get sequels that are directed by somebody else and written by somebody else. And they kind of have the connected, but they're not the same, you know, uh, sort of like the Jurassic Park movies. You know, they all got rampaging dinosaurs eating people, but uh, they, they don't all they don't have that through line like, say, like the Godfather movies do. So, hmm. You know, uh, one of the things also I, I kind of want to mention up front before I forget. I wonder, would this movie be more highly regarded if the first two movies were not two of the greatest movies ever made? How it, it, does it suffer because it has to follow act one and act two of the best? <laughs> Could anything possibly have lived up to those two movies? In other words, it, it definitely doesn't help. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I would, you know, I've I've tried to you know, judge the movie, you know, as a standalone. And I think, I don't think it would reach any sort of, you know, heights that most Francis Ford, early Francis Ford Coppola movies did. Mm -hmm. Um, It may have been seen as like a decent movie, but I don't think, you know, I know we'll get into a lot of the, the, the issues that, that are sort of infamous for the film. Uh, It's hard to get past those things. Um, And I, I think, you know, it probably would have been at best, you know, like you think of like Scent of a Woman, like Al Pacino mm-hmm. wins the Oscar for that film because of his performance. I mean, Al Pacino gives an amazing performance in this one, too. Right. Um, I, I don't think the film suffer like he, he his he doesn't suffer anything from the faults of this film. I think he hides it uh, the way Al Pacino could. Um but, uh, you know, Scent of a Woman, it, it, like, is a, is a decent film. I wouldn't say it's an amazing movie. Um, so I think at best it could have been seen as something like that, where you have a great performance by Al Pacino, uh, but it's really just in a mediocre, you know, a movie that you, you'll probably see on, you know, one of those movies that, that shows up on TNT and TBS, <laughs> you know, that just kind of replays over and over again, yeah. uh, sort of deals. But yeah, I mean, the weight of the first two films obviously bogs it down even more. And, and, and why people like myself, uh, don't try to forget that it's part of the canon, but you know, there, there are good, I mean, there are some, it's not all bad, but like, like I said, I, I think, um, I don't think it would have been seen as, uh, as like a Francis Ford Coppola, you know, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have been one of his best, I would say. Right. How about you, Mike? What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I, I think overall, um, I enjoy it, you know, and, and I've, I've been skeptical. Like every time I watch it, I'm, 
I feel like I go into it critical. Um, and I, you know, there's definitely stuff in it that's, you know, I, I think could be improved or could have been improved or things that, you know, I can kind of imagine differently. This does, uh, and we'll get to it later. I'm sure, uh, yeah. this movie has, uh, one of, and it's hard to rank it. I might just sit down and do this sometime, but definitely in my top three, uh, for worst line of all time, oh. um, which, which. That's that's a very special category for me. No, it's, it's it's right up it's right up there with uh, with Anakin in episode two. Sorry, Father Fed, if you're listening to this, but uh, you know I don't like sand. sand. It's coarse and irritating. You know, it's it's right up there with that one for me. And just sitting there like, oh goodness. So, uh, but yeah, but but overall, I, I I think that it may have suffered from. Just the the time, you know, between or, yeah. you know the second one. I almost said episode two, kind of between Godfather <laughs> two and and uh, Godfather three, because it's what sixteen years I think between. Uh, and you know, you, especially when yeah. you had the Godfather, the original one coming out nineteen seventy two, being so iconic, being followed up two years later in a you know, in a time when I think sequels weren't really expected to do that well necessarily. You know, it wasn't really a thing. Not for movies like this. Yeah, like yeah, like you know, a Star Wars or something, or like big right. sci-fi or action blockbusters. Yeah. yeah, but not like this. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the fact is, you know, you can watch the original one, and it's it's a completely fine standalone story. Yeah. You know, you don't need to go on. And then the second one to so brilliantly open it up more to have those flashbacks and that interspersed storyline, which is such a different kind of, you know, very different approach to either its predecessor or its successor, right? Because neither one of them does that quite the same way, of course. Right. So, um, yeah. And then to wait 16 years and then this, oh, this anticipated, here's the conclusion. And I, you know, which of course I, I wasn't around for those original runs. So I don't really know from experience what that must've been like, but I gather that that might've been a part of it for people. So, I, I mean, I saw all three of them more or less back to back the first time I ever saw them. So I, I've always kind of associated them all as one story. But I imagine that that may not have played out that way for people at that time. That's just my guess. My understanding is that Coppola didn't really want to make this one. Like he felt like the first two movies told the story, but Paramount kind of really pushed him and he he Mm. needed the money. I mean, I guess he hadn't he hadn't he didn't make a movie at all in the 80s. Like he hadn't made Mm. anything since 79. So, you know, he got pushed to make this movie. And so right. that's that's what he did. And uh, and it kind of feels a little bit like that. Like, this is the one I had to make. And then he then they didn't let him make it the way he wanted because he wanted it to be called <laughs> the death of Michael Corleone, which is kind of an interesting way for people to walk into the theater, too, because that's right, not exactly yeah. what happens. And uh, and so and then Paramount wouldn't let him. No, we need to be the Godfather part three. It's like, uh, you know. I can so going into it like that. Um, so yeah, I can well, I can P- see that. Pacino, you know, I think you know Pacino's performance is is I mean I I think it's fantastic, but it's yeah. I think he from what I was reading last night, he too um, was sort of in a rough spot for you and had a couple of years of of you know uh, misses, you know, and just was was really kind of broke, and you know I think. Um, I, I I had forgotten that this came out the same year that he uh, was in Dick Tracy. 
And oh, what's wow. so funny is like when I yeah. when I was a kid, I, I saw that movie I when I was a it. kid. And I, I still to this day, I love it. And what's funny is I that's kind of how I imagined Al Pacino for a long time, because my, like my first real Al Pacino movie. And I forgot I was watching a clip last night. I forgot that that gangster scene with him on one end of the table and James Caan on the other is was kind of an interesting little you know yep. cameo or having the two of them together. But um, but yeah, this this I mean, I for what it's worth, I think he picks up the character pretty seamlessly, you know, 16 years later with a with a believable version of Michael, you know, yeah, um, clo- probably closer to 20 years later in the storyline, because I think he's actually playing him a little bit older than he was at the time by yeah. just a few years. Yeah, I think uh, they had him playing uh, Michael Corleone at 60 and at the time, right. he was only about 50. He was or so 50. At the time. So, yeah, it was about a yeah. decade. And they did the, ma- the makeup to make him look older and in, uh, in all that. It's weird. It's weird to think of Al Pacino being like aged for a role. You know what I mean? Because he's been in so many <laughs> things for the last 20 years or so. It's the other way, you know. Yeah, they've been de-aging him because, man, he looks old. he looks like he's yeah. running the race. <laughs> so we got to talk about the the one of the big criticisms of the of the movie, which is Sofia Coppola. They got her to play uh, Michael's daughter, Mary, which is a key role in this. I mean, she plays a, an important role as Vincent's uh, love interest, which is creepy. <laughs> first, first cousins and uh, and all of that. And I have to say, I mean, she wasn't the worst actress I've seen in a movie, but man, her lines were were wooden. <laughs> like she just. Yeah, it was very I just flat. didn't I didn't buy like I didn't buy her. I didn't. It, and, and when she, okay, we're spoiling everything. By the way, this You're is right. this podcast spoils. Yeah. When she dies at You've the end, probably, I felt yeah. I didn't feel it. You know, that's, it that's the biggest no, miss. No, nothing. Yeah, and I'm a yeah. dad, no, no. and I, you know, Al Pacino's yeah, yeah. there is in pain, and I'm not feeling it because I just didn't get her. You know, I mean, it's a, yeah, you're right. I mean, she's not the worst actress in the world, but when you're when you're acting beside Al Pacino and Diane Keaton, oh yeah, you know, this cast, Tony Shire, yeah. like it, it's it's it, it really sticks out, and 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 then you know you, you she had to redub like a good portion of her lines um, because she was her, her even though you know she's you know Francis Ford Coppola's daughter uh, and has the Coppola name, she didn't have she had more of a Valley Girl accent, and that was hard for her to. To, to sort of, yeah. you know, escape, you know, for, for this role. And uh, when yeah, she pronounces I mean, Corleone like three different ways in that first scene. <laughs> yeah, she has a hard time the, yeah, yeah. S- saying the Corleone. Yeah. Um, like, it's your last name. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can, um, I've got a, a hard a, a Sicilian name, too. I can I can yeah. sympathize. Yeah. And, then, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and you hear that, you know, Winona Ryder was actually supposed to play Mary. At one point. Um, Is that right? Yeah, she was actually... Yeah. On set. She was on set. And uh, uh she uh-huh. she uh nervous exhaustion. Yeah, exactly. She passed out like in her hotel room because of she had just finished, I think, mermaids. Um <laughs> well, so, yeah. I'm yeah. laughing because it was like yeah, air, air quotes, nervous exhaustion. exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her, her attitude and stranger, her like personality and stranger things. I'm like, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> would have been really right. <laughs> Well, well, the story goes. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, no yeah. The, but the, yeah, the story goes. She she suffered from exhaustion. The, her first day on set, she passed out in her hotel room and and she left. And then uh, you know, uh, ultimately, it 
obviously went to Sofia Coppola. Yeah. Before Winona, it was going to be Julia Roberts. Really? Which, ah, when, I, didn't, you know, I didn't even know that. That yeah. would have been an interesting cast. And this now is, we're... oh, like just after, right? Just after Pretty Woman, you know? So, I had to have been, yeah, yeah 1990. Yeah. She's still pretty so young right then, but wow, that's just... That would have been uh, yeah. weird. Uh, also, Madonna wanted to play the role in Coppola said no. <laughs> yeah, she, she wanted to play a lot of roles back then. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that then, was also the same year as she was also in Dick Tracy. Yeah, that's, that's right. Together. That's right. Wow. Okay. There was another actress also set to audition, uh, Rebecca Schaefer, which you've never heard. You've never heard mm-hmm. of her, probably. But that's because she was um, murdered by a stalker really? re- re- just before wow. that. She wow. was she was in a sitcom with Pam Dauber of Mark and Mindy fame. And okay. Uh, okay. and would had she hadn't really broken out. And this would have been her big breakout role if, if wow. she'd gotten it. Um, yeah, it was uh, tragic. So there's accusations against, oh. you know, Francis of nepotism. And, but the fact is, is he had a lot of his family working on these movies. Talia Shai is his sister. She was, right. you know, yeah, that's I mean, what... Connie. So, you know, it's not like he, the, a new thing. He, yeah. see, there is talent in that family, but, you know, it, as isn't, a dir- isn't Nick Cage his nephew? Yes. Probably. Yes. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah so. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, speaking of Talia Shire, I have to say, Connie in this film was much preferable oh. to the Connie in Godfather 2. I, well, I, I I think Michael sums it up. You know, she's like, now they fear you. And he's like, maybe they should fear you. you yes. <laughs> she's like, yeah. she's chilling at a few points in that. She's the power you know? behind yeah. the throne. She's the bloodthirsty one. She's yeah. the sunny in this one, really. I mean, Vincent yeah. is kind of the sunny, but she really has taken that, that role. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he tries so hard. I, yeah. That's one of my biggest gripes mm-hmm. is Andy Garcia as well. Him biting his finger and doing the sunny. Like it was just, it yeah. was very cringe, cringy for me. <laughs> there were some moments. Yeah. 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 Well, if I wanted to criticize, well, we're, we're all, we're criticizing. One of the things yeah. to criticize is, is the complexity of this plot. There's so many moving parts. There's so much going on. There's the Vincent thing where he's in or he's out. And there's the Joey Zaza and then the, the Vatican bank thing. And then the uh, Altabello and Lucchese mm-hmm. and and you know at one point Vinny's supposed to go as a turncoat and that just goes nowhere like that nothing ever happens right. with that and yeah. it's yeah. like there's so much going on you look and then I mean, that's when they go to the opera Altabello's like yo et tu Vincenzo and I'm like <laughs> yeah, yeah wait did he wait was he still I'm confused yeah <laughs> by the way since we're jumping ahead anyway let's just do it I like just jump into it the cannoli sure. The cannoli. Oh yeah. Take the gun. Leave the uh, take the cannoli. Leave the gun. And it's the cannoli that's the weapon of death. I just I I I have to love the I, I, as as cheesy as that is. No pun intended. Actually, I do intend that pun. Um, as cheesy as that is, um, I just kind of love it because it's it's kind of funny to me just that that he he went there with it. Oh my so, goodness! Yeah. Um, full circle. Yeah. Full circle. All right. So let's. So we we start with. A, there's a lot here that where Coppola is connecting us to the first two movies and the events of those movies. We start with the old lake house at Tahoe that's now abandoned. Where part part one part two ended, it's now derelict and abandoned. That was nineteen. What was the year that part two was supposed to end in seventy four or so? Right. 
uh, may, actually, maybe yeah. even earlier than that. It was earlier because it starts in like 57 yeah. or 58 or something. Yeah. And I don't think it covers a lot more than a few years because like the. Yeah. Sometimes like the kids the are 60s. still young at the end of it. Right. But yeah, probably early 60s. And we're interspersing that with New York 1979, where Michael is receiving a papal knighthood for his charitable works from Archbishop Gilday, who's known as the Vatican banker. So let's let's talk a little bit about the Vatican stuff, because this is stuff that that I know. <laughs> really well mm-hmm. and from my, my background and my work. Uh, so in 1978 or so, so the, there's a weird dating issue in this movie where the movie is set mm-hmm. in 79, Paul VI dies in 79, but in reality, Paul VI died in 78. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there was, for some reason, Coppola set it a year later. I think it's an average because they said, because the Vatican banking scandals, the real life stuff was like 81, 82. Yeah. So I, I, my guess is they were trying to maybe meet in the middle on it to kind of make it cross over. Kind of compress everything. Maybe, well, yeah. The the thought was is that the the so there was Paul the Sixth died, John Paul the First was put in, and then there was this this conspiracy theory that John Paul the First was murdered because which is what happens in this movie because he was about to crack down on. A, a Vatican financial scandal. The more things change, the more they stay the same. If, if as we record this, there is a trial mm-hmm. at the Vatican of of uh, some cardinals, former cardinals, mm-hmm. um, right. for Vatican finance shenanigans. And there was one of the bankers uh, was found hanging from a bridge, actually Black, Blackfriars Bridge, I think it was in London. So it wasn't mm-hmm. in in Rome or Geneva. I think maybe even. Um, and you know, there was this, this big Vatican banking scandal. And so what Coppola is trying to do is trying to connect the Corleone family with that, with 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 the, right. the events of that. Um, so but yeah, there's a yeah, they did that weird date thing uh, where it, they said it in 79 instead of 78. But OK. Um, and the idea of the movie is that Michael is trying to he's gone legit. He's sold the casinos. He's not involved in any of the underworld stuff as, as much as he can be. He, he wants legit businesses. And so the, the, the Vatican bank is underwater. It's got this huge deficit and he'll, he's going to fix a big chunk of that in exchange for getting a controlling interest in this, this business called Immobilare, which is actually based on a real company. Uh, one of the oldest, um, uh, construction companies in the world. He actually dates back to the like the 1700s or something like that. Um, and the Vatican did at one time own a controlling interest in it. So it's this convoluted plot that involves this and then going back. You know, then you've got his whole thing where he's trying to reconcile with um, Michael's trying to reconcile with uh, Diane Keaton's character and K. Yeah. K. Yep. K. And his son too. Or, or, well, reconcile just try to figure right. that out right now. Yeah. That. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we start with this this papal knighthood that he gets and and a party and at the party is where all of the threads start paying out, start start. They start, you know, having the threads. We have Vincent shows up and invited. He's the illegitimate son of Sonny. uh, And he's working for Joey Zaza, uh, who took over Michael's illegitimate business in New York City. And there's conflict between them because. I think because Vinny thinks that the business should be his because he's Sonny's uh, son. Um, so I just I want to throw out there. I, I, it was very. I just thought it was neat how how many 
non-main characters, but important characters from the originals they got back for roles yes. like, like Enzo the Baker. You know, Vinny's mom is the same actress. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's it that was good for consistency. You know, but uh, I do have to laugh a little because, like Michael, of course, going into these meetings, you know, at at this this party, very reminiscent, of course, of his father at the wedding. Yeah. Uh, but if you delete all criminal activity entirely from the scenario, it reminds me a lot of what happens with me at high school sometimes, with just <laughs> so many kids coming to me with stuff that doesn't have, you know, and it's, it's like, what does this have to do with me? You know, so, I was just laughing. I was like, I have my days sometimes where it's just, could you guys just give me a minute? Yeah. <laughs> well, Billy was but saying that just shows this that about that's, me. There's no, there's no like, he doesn't have hours, right? Like there's, there's no office hours for my portfolio. It's just all, you know, there's business is business. Yes. And the business <laughs> happens at family gatherings. That's the thing. That's where, right. cause everybody's there. I mean, right. Just as an example, we just had Easter and my brothers and sisters and I, went into another room and sat around the table and just were discussing my elderly parents and their, their, you know, situation mm. and their needs. And this is where business gets done. Now, in our right. case, it's, it's not, <laughs> not it's a criminal enterprise, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it's the sort of thing, yeah, you, and, yeah. but you're right. I love the new casting. Although interesting, Robert Duvall did not come back as, uh, G- as right. Hagen. Um, he wanted, which was a shame. Yeah. He wanted more money. He yeah. killed him off. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh. He, he wanted to make at least as much as Pacino, which it was Robert Duvall. I, I it, you can't bl- by 1990 he was as big of a star as D- Pacino. I think he deserved it. Um, oh, absolutely. So instead, they um, killed him Pacino, off. Pacino, you know, Pacino, Pacino wanted more money too, and uh, apparently uh, Coppola th- threatened to uh, kill Michael. Like begin the movie, write Michael out of the movie and begin and, and write a version where the movie begins with Michael's funeral. And then, and then Al Pacino's like, okay, I'll do it for, for, well, for they, less money. Did they just, yeah. did they just sort of swap Robert Duvall's character with George Hamilton's as like just yes. the new consigliere? Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. BJ Harrison he, as the new. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he did a fine job, but it's, it's just interesting. Like, oh, you know, he did have Tom, nearly- you're out. Yeah, yeah. Tom, you're out. <laughs> yeah, Tom, you're out. Not you're nearly out, as much well, to do uh, for for George yeah. Hamilton in this, uh, but you know it's just a and not the thing. emotional connection or anything like that. You know that yeah. would have been better. Right. You know? It wasn't like huh. family, like the same the same sort of thing. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So and then we have uh, I, there was a great line when they're they're, they're talking. The press is there, and they want to talk about Michael's you know being a mobster. And, you know, says uh, the, the guy says to the press, the Pope this very day has blessed Michael Corleone. Do you think you know better than the Pope? Which which is exchange. a funny line, because, yes, <laughs> it was obviously a bad idea to do this for Michael Corleone. Oh, man. Oh, um, man. And then we have, uh, you know, the, you know the, when we find out that Anthony, his son, wants to. Uh, but father, I want to sing. I want to <laughs> Monty sing. Python reference. You yeah. <laughs> must be a musician instead of a lawyer. <laughs> and Tom, uh, can I throw, throw one 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 yeah. thing in here quick that we and, and we can maybe talk about it in other, yeah because it comes up routinely. It'll come up in a big way later. But this idea of I mean, like you said, this was like a um, pseudo sacramental kind of thing. You know, there was right. this, this papal honor. But but you know, this whole of course theme we're going to keep coming back to of you know, this, this, the religious trappings, mm-hmm. right, around this 
just completely shameless, murderous kind of world in so many ways. And uh, how do you and, you know, none of us are perfect. You know, I'm, I'm not preaching by any means, but like there's a lot of stuff these guys are doing that I'm not doing in my life. <laughs> right so, or that that are just obviously you know if, if you're a, a true believer how do you even like imagine someone like yeah i can go to a baptism i you know I'll go up and light my candle in my prayers and then i you know order a hit from the chapel in the hospital for example like in front of the crucifix and so right. it, it's it's so strange and I, I think it's an interesting reflection just in and of itself that the sacraments you know they're absolutely infinitely powerful to do the thing, right? But they're not magic, you know. And exactly. It's not, you know. And so I, I think that that's a theme that comes up routinely, and we'll see later with the the cardinal, of course. You know that that you know you offer mm -hmm. all the grace you can, you know, just just offer it freely. But it it, it we we need to receive it. We need to actually be disposed to the grace, and and uh, that's that's a big reflection point, I think, just in and of itself. Right. And to be honest, I mean, I'm not you know running a criminal enterprise. In, in planning people's murders, but I'm still, I still have sin in my heart. You know what I mean? I'm going up yeah. to, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm a, still a right. sinner. And, uh, and, and uh, there is that contradiction in me, you know, when I go, mm -hmm. uh, it, but there has to be contrition. You know, you have to right. be, you, and we'll, we, we'll talk about it when we get to the confession scene, but there has to be that mm -hmm. firm decision to amend my ways, you know, that, that yeah. firm, you know, and, and then there's the hope for grace. Uh, right. I, I really want to talk about that scene because it is a, it is yeah. a very powerful moment. Um, but uh, yeah. so the, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. There is a lot of, a lot of Catholic imagery in this, a lot of Christian imagery. The crucifix is in, is majorly in several big scenes. Oh, like yeah. That first one yes. where he's getting the knighthood when yeah. uh, was it Vinny, Connie and Al Neary are, are conspiring to kill Joey Zaza. Yeah. In front of the crucifix in the right. chapel, like, like completely yeah. oblivious to the to the to, to what they're they're doing, you know. And, and over doesn't, the, doesn't Connie like tell him to do it and then go kneel to pray? Yes, like right after she says that. We follow the yeah. forms. There are the forms we observe, yeah. and that's one of the, one of the, the I think the themes of the Godfather is it's the roles we play. It's all about playing a, a role, be a, your place in the world. You know, Michael from the first two movies, Michael wanted to do something else, which is kind of ironic that Anthony yeah. is now doing that to him and he doesn't see right. that his reaction is his father's reaction, although yeah. he deals with it a little better eventually. Um, <laughs> but like we keep playing these roles and we're and we get we get stuck in them. We 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 can't break out of them after a while because we're we're so in them so deep and we're mm -hmm. unconsciously. Going back in and, you know, just as I was, you know, get, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. But the fact <laughs> is, is, Michael, you went back in like you're still dirty yeah. dealing. No, it's yeah, not a casino, out. but yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. So <laughs> I thought that was. Uh, yeah. And that's the classic line from the movie, by the way, is the the when, when I just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Yeah. So by the way, that stroke uh, that he acted out was. Yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah it's supposed to be like a diabetic yeah. stroke, which yeah, which, yeah. He, I mean, it's Al Pacino. I mean, you who chose yeah. the scenery better than Al? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was pretty amazing, pretty fantastic. Um, yeah. and then so, he has like the opposite happen before the confession, 
mm-hmm. where he has, he has uh, hypoglycemia, and then right, uh, yeah, <laughs> and 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 you know he, he says like yeah this usually happens when I'm when I'm stressed, when I'm stressed out yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a good thing that they have a tray with orange juice and candy at the ready. Yeah, in, right. In yeah. every yeah. in every Abbey. <laughs> okay. It is Italy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's true. It's like my grandmother's house. There was there was candy around the corner. Yeah. She would pull. It's yeah. like magic. Oh my gosh. They probably had a notice oh standing there with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wanted to mention this is a note I had about the uh, the Amobilari deal. So, follow here. Michael wants to buy the Vatican's 25% share in exchange for wiping out a large part of the Vatican Bank's deficit. Um, the Immobiliari in the movie is based on a real company in which the Vatican once owned 15%. But in that case, it didn't sell its shares to Michael Corleone. It sold its shares to the Gulf and Western Company. Do you know what the Gulf and Western Company is? In the 1960s, it owned Paramount Pictures, the company that made The Godfather. <laughs> so it wow. essentially had sold it to The Godfather. I I wow. just think that is poetic. <laughs> I love that. It really wow. <laughs> oh man. I don't that's, know if that was uh, planned, but it's awesome. <laughs> that 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 uh that's that's a little more subversive, but just as meta as the uh the newest Matrix movie, which I did not really enjoy, but when they just flat out like go after yeah, Warner either. Brothers in the plot. Yeah, so yeah. That, that was that. kind of yeah. funny. That oh was, wow, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, there's some overt references that are kind of funny, you know, yeah. but uh, wow, I have a feeling incredible. Coppola wanted to kind of call out Paramount as as bad guys wow. a, a bit. But uh, you know, that's kind of funny. No doubt. No well, doubt. We also have an interesting um, passing of a generation represented here. Joey Zaza represents the new kind of the mob. In fact, in mm-hmm. Puzo's original novel, The Godfather, he actually right at the very beginning, he talks about that, the change in the mob. From the old days when it was loan sharking and the the more I don't know honest kind of crime of loan sharking and um, gambling and that sort of thing, but the new bad mobsters they sell drugs and they do prostitution and all these bad things. It's like yeah, that's still you're still bad. But in this, we have this like Joey Zaza is a bad guy because he let he has they're non Italians that are part of the family now and. They're selling drugs in the neighborhood and the neighborhoods are getting unsafe for the little nonas or walking around the streets and so on and so forth. And so you're getting this idea that the it's not like the old days with the you know, when the mobsters were keeping the streets safe for the right kind of people, I guess, you know, that that's sort of weird. Our people think it kind of brings it full circle because that was the whole conflict in the first one was the the potential introduction, you know, Salazzo bringing in. You know, yep. was it cocaine or heroin? I forget what it was. I think it was, I think it was cocaine, wasn't it? Sonny right. talked about the white powder. Yeah. But, but that, that you know, uh, who's going to control this and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, Don, old man Don Corleone, right? Not wanting to be involved in that. And right. not being willing to accept his, you know, sort of um, um, tr- traditional stepping away from that. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of, we have that again, that echoed here because in that scene where, Michael is he's really cutting ties with the he has the commission. Now the commission for those who don't know was was actually a real thing. It was the, it was all of the heads of all of the major mafia families from around the country. They would they kind of would they divided up the country into territories to kind of end some of the gang wars, you know, to, to and so that would be less stepping on each other's toes and um 
to cooperate. This was a, a major plot of uh, part two, a, part, a major part of that plot. Mm-hmm. So now he's going to mew the commission, dissolve his business relationships with the other families, but give them huge shares of the sale of his Vegas casinos. Like he's giving them, he's basically buying them off because they were feeling like, hey, you're, you're buying, you're, you're going to this big Vatican banking deal and we got nothing of that. So he's buying them off. But Joey Zaza gets none, uh, which is a huge disrespect. And so this hit gets put on all the families. That, and we're led to believe that Zaza was behind it, but was he really, or was it really Altabello and the guys in the Lucchese? Was it really about the Vatican banking deal? That's one of the things that kind of felt like was left a little confusing uh, to me anyway. What do you guys think? I, I love, I, I just want to throw it real quick before I forget it. Cause you know, Joe Mantegna, I, I, I love it's, it's very difficult for me to take him seriously in this, in this role because it's, it's so similar in a more serious way to his Harry Flugelman character from Three Amigos. <laughs> do you remember that kid? He's like the studio executive, but it's yes, just an absolute yes. riot. And he's such a ridiculous character. And he's so, you know, brash and, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, but there's not really any difference in some ways between him and that in either of those roles to me. So like there are moments where I'm watching this and I'm like, okay you know joey's like i'm with yeah. michael like joey yeah. zaza like what you know what are we talking about <laughs> joey zaza for geez so yeah. I, i'm sorry but you know, yeah. cut to you andrew for for a real answer <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, I mean i think it was organized by zaza i mean i i i, the, I agree it's not like Again, the the, the the one of the big gripes with the film is is how convoluted you know the the plot is. Yeah, it, it's if you if you looked at this film on paper, <clears throat> then you're like, okay, Va- Vatican uh, bank scandal, uh, you know, Michael Corleone, you know, uh, uh, you know, try, trying to uh, you know buy twenty five buy twenty five percent and uh and all that sort of stuff like there was a good movie here i think <laughs> yeah you know they like uh, for whatever reasons i mean like like we mentioned at the at the top like you know it was probably rushed and he did you know they were probably he wasn't francis wasn't really into it al pacino wasn't i don't think he was even behind sort of the direction uh, you know from what i've read he wasn't really feeling the script either uh i think michael's biggest gripe with the film was like he felt that michael would never feel remorse for killing his brother mm, right. um that, that that was just al Pacino's opinion on on the character um and uh and i could totally see that i, I you know because um and i i, I would the, the more i thought about that when i read that i i kind of agree with that i feel like you know uh the, michael's character was is so cold and 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 he was still very cold by the end of of part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I mean, the most chilling cold he's ever been. I mean, he obviously you know was behind the murder of his own brother. Um, and it, uh, you know you, you could see a guy like that just never changing. Uh, and um, there are elements of that here, obviously. You know, the whole idea again of like um, still being a part of the criminal world, even though he's trying to go straight. Um, but yeah, I think you know when it uh, when it comes to uh, the, the the Joey Zaza and then and the, and the Vatican Bank stuff, 
uh, I think there was, they could have, they, they, there was a really, there, a masterpiece was, was here. I think it was possible. I think mm-hmm. if they just, if Francis maybe got more creative control, I don't know. I don't know why he had, to, I mean, he had to fight so hard for the first one. And we talked about it, um, mm-hmm. uh, in our, in our first podcast. Um, uh, I, I can't imagine why they just didn't let him do whatever he wanted. I mean, uh, knowing that, I, I mean, I guess it's, it's 1990. Like, like you said, Al Pacino really had a few misses. Um, yeah. and Francis yeah. or Coppola, I mean, he, he, he's always regarded, he's deeply regarded for apocalypse now and the Godfather films. But outside of that, there's really, he's had a lot of misses, right. you know, outside of those three films. Um, so yeah, may, I mean, maybe that has something to do with it, but, but yeah, at the end of the day, you, you could see that they could, there, there could have been a great movie here, but you know, and in my opinion, at least it, and most people's, it, it fell short. I feel like if they cut a bunch of the Mary stuff and some of the K stuff and sort of focused on, yes. on the, on the, his plot, his, you know, the, the banking scandal stuff, um, I think a lot of that other stuff kind of bogged down the story and, mm-hmm. and, and I totally, mean, you know, who am I, but you know, that's, that's that, you know, I, I'm trying to tell Coppola how to make a movie, but I just feel like if, if I were to, if I were to be asked, I would say if you cut some of that stuff out, this would have been a lot more comprehensible and without oh, the, that extra stuff. I mean, I know you, you want to have you feel it at the end when the, the, you know, the shooting on the steps of the opera house. But even then you could have done something different in. Yeah. In, well, in, and, and like, like Andrew said <laughs> earlier, it's, it's how much of it was, <laughs> you know, Sophia Coppola's fault, whatever you right. want to say, or just, just, yeah. it just doesn't really mm-hmm. have the effect. It feels like it should. Um, which and, and to be honest, here here we go. For me, maybe it's because at that moment, somewhere in the back of my mind, that line pops into my head: "He's your first cousin." Then I love him first. <laughs> like, so creepy. Gosh. God, gag me! Like so every time rude. I hear that line, and I'm just thinking, is like, and I know, like I know who wrote it. It was Francis Ford Coppola or Mario Puzo. Like, how do you, <laughs> like, you have that line goes through your head? First of all, that's embarrassing enough, <sighs> and then you tell someone out loud. That like, and then you do, and you're like, yeah, let's so make that in the movie. That's you know, the line like, you think oh, is one of the worst lines so, ever. It's so terrible. Yeah. I just, yeah. you know, he's your first cousin. Then I love Gosh. him first. Like, oh. dude. Oh, yeah. that was, yeah, that oh, was that's pretty creepy. Cringeworthy to see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think if they, if they focus, if the movie focused on, again, go, like going back to the confession scene where the, the Cardinal's telling him, like, you've you've sinned so much that that you're it's it's just that you suffer mm-hmm. you know obviously foreshadowing mm-hmm. the, the his daughter's death at the end of the film right his his greatest suffering i i, I think the we didn't need to see a lot of mary like we if you just establish that you know this is his daughter right and maybe you focus on you know um you know Michael's past and, and, and everything come, you know, catching up to him. Right. Uh, I think there's, there's a, there's a great, there's a great movie there, a great character study. I mean, or if it's Anthony who dies on the steps, you know, right, and yeah. we get his, I we mean, get, it's his show. I yeah, mean, yeah, Anthony's big moment. Very, I yeah. think that would have made it even more tragic there. Yeah. 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 And yeah. then, yeah. Oh my gosh. And then her, 
talk about bad lines. The, the, the her her final line where she just looks at him and says daddy and then falls to the to the ground mm. <laughs> it's it's again it was it was comical it's like how did you like how did francis ford coppola i mean maybe ed being his daughter had you know had had some sort of bias to do with it but someone was watching the dailies yeah, <laughs> yeah we you shoot know. that one yeah did you yeah, guys I, so, I don't know if we were gonna i, I have a quick question before i forget because and and mm-hmm. sorry if it's out of place or anything but i was i'm wondering I'm still not entirely sure just from what their intention was with that scene. Did the assassin intend to shoot Mary along with Michael or did he miss? Because it's not super clear. He he nicks his arm like there's a he doesn't really obviously carry out the assassination of Michael. But there's part of me that always wonders, like, she's dead center in the chest. You know, one shot, and I think and, it was, I, and there's two shots that are fired. Yeah. Spray and pit prey. I think it was. He was trying yeah. to just because because he had tr- yeah. he tried to shoot him from the balcony. That got in, you know, got interrupted. Oh, that's and, true. Yeah, that's and true. So yeah. this it was his last. That chance. wasn't plan A. This yeah. was the guy who never misses. Like right as as the assassin who never misses. He leaves a little to be desired. You know what he I mean? Does. Like, <laughs> he didn't really live up to his billing. Uh, we just yes. say. Yep. No, but so nope. yeah, but I see, I get what you're saying is like it could be if if he was as good as they say, maybe it was that Barry was the target, you know, all along. But that's headcanon more than anything. The target, yeah, yeah. I don't know. yeah. Hmm. Let's talk about the confession though, because yeah, yeah, because uh, Cardinal Lamberto, who eventually in this movie becomes Pope John Paul the first, you know, he he's he's meeting with him because Michael's trying to get the the deal to go through. But he comes across as the one guy, the one churchman that we've met who is not really corrupt. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's the, the guy who actually believes. And uh, he starts off, he talks about the men of Europe. For centuries, they've mm. been surrounded by Christianity, but Christ has not penetrated. Christ doesn't breathe within them. And I'm like, that is a fantastic line. And what because, a great, in the analogy really with the is, rock. Yeah. Yes. You know. He takes a rock out of the fountain. He says, look at the rock. See? And he breaks it in half, which I'm impressed. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's some strength there, dude. And then, you know, he says, but the water has not penetrated the middle of the rock. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that's like, that's almost Christ-like in a, in a parable, right. you know? Um, Absolutely. But I think it's really, yeah. I think it's a really great moment because, all of the, we, we, as we said before, the, all of these Corleone men, all of the Corleone family is surrounded by Christianity. The, the trappings of Christianity, the, 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 they, they have sacraments and masses and all that sort of stuff. And they, they, you know, they cross themselves, but Christ has not penetrated their hearts. Christ doesn't breathe within them. And that's really what I, in one sense, that what this movie is saying, whether Coppola intends it or not. It really the three movies, all of them show how you can be you could you could warm that pew every day. You could go to daily mass and it won't make a difference if Christ isn't in your heart. Uh, as, Judas was an apostle. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. As, as uh, St. Yeah. Paul says in Galatians, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. If Christ is not living within you, then you then then it does you right. no good. So well, that's what I think, too. And that's that's a whole other conversation in and of itself with the with regards to this. But that's why I I'm always a little apprehensive about putting too much stock. In, and I know we have to have something, I guess, to kind of go off of. But a lot of the um, 
studies that we do and surveys and polls and all that where it's it's like your mass attend you're like how often do you go to mass how often and i'm just laughing because i'm like those corleones are <laughs> pretty pretty uh regular mass attendees very regular attendees they they yeah. and it's like well, so it makes you think <laughs> and it's not all about who gives the most money to charitable causes either is it i mean that's another big yeah. thing that happens right in this, is, yeah oh is, my goodness you know michael gives a hundred million dollars to take care of poor sicilian families it's just kind of you know funny of all the causes to give to but uh, the, the reason they're poor is because of you guys, the mafia. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the, so and then, so in that scene, we have Lamberto offers to hear Michael's confession and Michael's kind of shocked. He's like, oh, I'm I'm beyond redemption. And then mm. does I don't know the point of confessing if if uh, uh, if I don't if I'm not if I don't repent. And then the cardinal asks that great question. What do you got to lose? Yes. You know, what do you have to lose? And so. <laughs> As he confesses, a bell tolls mm-hmm. and he breaks down. And I love the, how he says, I, I don't have the, the actual words here, but the way he kind of ekes out what he actually did, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, where he finally just says, says mm-hmm. the words, I killed my brother. I killed yeah. my mother's son. Um, and then the Cardinal yeah. says, you won't change, but I'll give you absolution anyway. <laughs> Which is yeah, kind of that's that. problematic, but <laughs> he he says your life could be redeemed, but I know you don't believe that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's and uh, he's, and there's that, that I, I love the idea that he you know, he is is walking the walk of like he's not the judge, you know. Right. It's, so I'm you know, like here here's here's what my Lord has given me the power to do. And I, I offer it to you. And if yep. you don't accept it, it's not going to work. You know. Right. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, yeah. Offers the gift and you can take it or refuse it. And uh, Michael apparently, at least at this point, refuses it. I like to think that after, like the in between the la- the second to last scene and the last scene, Mike Michael had that uh, conversion experience and was redeemed. Uh, well, uh, clearly, it, it seemed like. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a good, I don't know, twenty years or something. It's it's a it mm-hmm. seems like a long time has passed. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he does. He 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 does say that he does praise. Like I, 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 I swear on the lives of my children, oh, give me right. a chance to redeem myself, and I will sin no more. So there, there's, there was a little, you know, hope there, right? You know, but, right. And again, I guess that's another sort of foreshadow. Is like, you know, he's swearing on the lives of his children, and then shortly after that. The, one of the lives of his children is taken. Um, right. Because he, and, uh, I think because he makes the decision, tells Vincent, it's time to fight back. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, and, By the way. Yeah. Oh, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Michael, at, at, at this point around here, you know, wonders why Don Tomasino, who's the Don yeah. in the town of Bagaria, where they're from, why he's so loved and Michael is so feared. And he doesn't understand why. Because he's tried to, he's tried to do so much good. He's tried to put on this face. And why do people fear Michael? And it's as I think, as you said, uh, uh, Andrew, that in the last two movies, this is the kind of guy who coldly kills his blood, his brother, cold blood. You know, it's just you're feared because you're ruthless. And well, and I wonder too, like if it's just you know the. You know, every one of us is unrepeatable. All of our circumstances, you know, we're, we're every one of us is absolutely responsible for our own actions. Mm-hmm. B- but you can't do none of us is just a one for one swap. 
So, you know, Tomasino, like he, you know, he may have done a lot of the same kinds of things. You know, you get the impression he's, you know, living the mafia life. Right. Right. But it's, it's a different world and it's just, you know, not to excuse it, but it's just for whatever yeah. reason, you know, all the different forces in play, the time, the era, the places Michael's been, the, you know, like the back and forth over the, the, the ocean. Like, it's just, it's not the same thing. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but it all carries a heavy toll you know like they, the one thing they all have in common I, in fact i was looking at my notes from our very first run through of the first movie and i wrote down uh i wrote down organized in air quotes i wrote organized crime equals crime like it's, <laughs> right it's still you know just... it's, it's still sin it's not you know it, mm-hmm. it's you call it whatever you want <laughs> organized or disorganized it's still crime <laughs> yeah that's the uh at the time of this recording there's these this this public trial thing or this whatever it is between uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and, and everything. Oh, yeah. And I saw yeah. the one line that well, I forget, but I don't know which one of them said it, but something like, you know, uh, I was hitting you. I wasn't punching you. And I, I was like, was that sounds that like something him. my daughters yeah. would, would argue about, <laughs> you know, like it's a childish, like it's, it's an original sin, yeah. fundamental human flaw, this nitpicking. And then you just magnify that out to an adult level of, rational planning and coordination i mean it's there's that's how mm. you get the terrible evil right right in in history it's it's yeah right. but it's not hard to understand where it comes from so you mentioned that he uh he swore on the life of his children and then right after that he also he gives the order to vincent to fight back okay now it's time to fight back against the jay-z and Altabello and the others but asks him to give up Mary as the price, which mm. is in some way what he did as well. Mm-hmm. His price yeah. was Mary's life later on. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, and this is when he makes Vincent the Don. So he's kind of giving up his position in the family to Vincent, which I felt like like two years ago, this guy was a nobody crashing your party. I felt a little there needed to be more time, I felt like. But, you know, OK. Um, so I got to give Andy, Andy Garcia doesn't, you know, th- there was enough sort of similarity in, in my view, you know, to him and like young uh, De Niro. Yep. I think it just is something that that seemed to work. Like there was a lot of 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 those echoes, that nostalgic kind of echo there. Uh, but that being said, I, I've I've thought, you know, now to his credit, he's grown as an actor. He has a lot more experience over the mm-hmm. years. But I. I like him so much better in the Oceans movie as Terry Benedict. Yeah. Than oh, yeah. Is. yeah. And, I, and I think it'd be interesting to imagine, like, if he was more like that in these, mm. you know, it would be kind of kind of interesting rather than like like Andrew was kind of hinting at earlier, like a lot of the and I don't know how much that was Andy Garcia, you know, versus directing and stuff with like, OK, sure, I want you yeah. to try to be as much like James Caan as possible. And it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, a bit of a yeah. rabid dog on was, the scene. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it was a stretch for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was, was going to say, oh, um, the, what Connie does say at one point about Vincent that you're the you're the only one who you know, who reminds me most of my father. So like mm. she was remembering Vito and you know and Vinny and how similar they were, and so that does kind of echo what you were saying about how he kind of reminds us of of De Niro's version of Vito too, um, right down to the you know this the the zaza in the street you know that i didn't mention by the way that zaza was killed in a religious procession uh another crucifix right. moment yep. where the cross is present 
at one of mm-hmm. these moments. Uh, so th- that was something I, I forgot to mention before. And that was like such an absolute kind of parallel in, in, in a lot of ways with it to the Fenucci. Yep. You know, one from fin- almost 50 years earlier. Right. You know, on the same street. The story. Yeah. Right. And I think yeah. it was even the same street that Vito was getting down on too, right? Was that the same? Oh, I'm, maybe. I don't know. I'll have to go back and check. <laughs> yeah, I thought it might have been. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's that happens to, then. Uh, I had to look up Pezzo Novante because they say it a bunch of times. You know, because like, like, yeah. all these Pezzo Novante. It's apparently Sicilian slang for big shot. In, big shot in a non-complimentary mm-hmm. way. Like, oh, you think you're such a big shot. You know, you're big, too right. big for your britches. Um, I think I guess that's a reference to a kind of caliber of a of a rifle or something like that. You're a big a big caliber or something. Um, so just for for anyone who wants to wants to know, I had I looked it up. Um, so we have the opera. We come to the opera. Anthony has got this uh, his his big new role. He's now an opera singer. Uh, his son Anthony, and uh, we get the interspersal of the scenes of the opera, which is uh, this opera Cavalieri Rusticana, where I, I don't know the I, I didn't look up actually I should have looked up the plot of the opera but gathered from what I saw on the screen about this conflict between me, these men where they want they're going to kill kill over a girl over a young woman and so um, while in the midst of that we have Michael has dispatched his killers to go take out Altabello and Lucchese and the other and um, this uh, other Vatican banker. Uh, the the Swiss guy Keinzig and Archbishop mm-hmm. Gilday. At the same time, they've dispatched this other guy Bosca to come kill Michael at the opera. Or as we were saying, could have been Michael, could have been Mary. Um. So and then in the midst of this, the Pope is murdered, presumably by the Vatican banker guys, Blucchesi and the others. Um, as at the same time as on the stage of the opera, a crucifix again is carried on stage. I mean, it's almost, is that a little heavy handed? Maybe, I don't know, maybe not. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, uh, is making a point here. Um, so we have the Swiss banker hung from the bridge. Lucchese is stabbed in the neck with his own glasses by Calo. That was brutal. Um, Al Neri kills Archbishop Gilday by sneaking into the Vatican with a gun. Okay. That was a little, the, yeah. Where were the Swiss guard little, in there? Um, <laughs> anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, the, the famous scene of him falling from the height, you know, the body falling toward the camera. Um, mm-hmm. Don Altabello is poisoned by the cannoli, as I mentioned. Um, and, and by the way, just a little nitpicky thing, because like, you know, we're we're all Catholics here. And yep. um, I don't know many, you know, or of many bishops who wander around on their own in full like mass regalia. <laughs> Where's the sacristy in this place? You know, like, he's, like he finished up and he's like to walk a mile like by himself with his miter on and the whole like you know the, like <laughs> right, chasuble. Right. And I'm like, what? But it, get, it looked a lot better. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's you get the flowing like you know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and the thing that got me was is this is Anthony's big moment. This is the thing yeah. that that Michael has been, and he uses it even even to the point of killing Altabella right there in the opera house. Like he doesn't even see that what he's doing, you know, how he's still dragging his children into this until the very end where, you know, the, where Mary is shot along with him. Uh, 
And then we have as Mary's dying and he and, and Pacino is doing the, the open mouth silent scream until he till it comes out. Um, we have this montage. We see Michael first dancing with Mary, then dancing with Kay and then dancing with Apollonia. You know, we see him, the, the three scenes of dancing. And then we go to him, as we said, sitting alone in the courtyard, elderly Michael. Now the courtyard of Don Tomasino slumps over in his chair and falls lifeless to the ground as the puppy dog in the scenes. Like, why this guy fall over? Right. <laughs> I, I was really yeah, the, distracted the, by the, the real dog. Life dog <laughs> is like, yeah. yeah, what? Me too. It's like, I didn't notice that before. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's how it ends. It's, I mean, this is the death of Michael Corleone that the, that Coppola wanted to, to name it. So what right. do you think of all that? What do you like? Any thoughts on that whole sequence? Well, I saw somewhere that the um, um, I, I guess Coppola did not. He he didn't indicate to the editor, I think it was the the idea of having it be silent like that when Michael's just losing it on the stairs. Yeah. Um, and was he was impressed mm. by that decision himself, apparently, because it really does create a powerful, you know, like like we were saying, like, I, I'm not unfortunately <laughs> super affected by Mary's death. Right. But Michael's reaction to Mary's death is, is just incredible, you know? Right. And, um, Oh yeah. And just so visceral. And even how you see everybody else who, you know, is suffering, you know, maybe just as much or, or, or has just as much reason to suffer and be, you know, upset and, and brokenhearted and just, just traumatized how they all kind of turn and look at him. Cause it's like, it's, it's, uh, you know, the Psalm 130, right? You know, De Profundis, like out of the depths. I mean, like it's yeah. it's the deepest depths he's ever been in, and that's where he's at. And they've never seen him like that. Um, no one has. And so that was I don't know. That and it's really quick too. Cause I was when I was watching it again last night, I'm looking at the timer and stuff just because I was it was getting pretty late, and I was like, Oh wow, yeah, because I know what's coming up. I've seen it before, and I'm like, does this that really all happens in like two minutes? Three. I mean, it's just right. Just done, you know. Yeah. So it, it really just, you know, pretty long movie, and then just over, you know. Rap. It's, it it's pretty. Yeah. It, it really does, you know. So I, I think it's effective. Yeah. The there is that sense I get that maybe that moment breaks Michael, like he's never the same mm. again. To to the right. moment of his death, there's nothing more to say. Like, and and I think Kamala might be saying that there's nothing more to say about mm. Michael's life. After that point, right. his life is over when Mary yeah. dies. And which makes you wonder, is that the death of Michael Corleone? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. everything else is commentary, like him falling in the dirt. Well, that's just, you know, it's just the, the, the end commentary. of commentary. Right. Right. Yeah. It's the end of that scene, essentially. Um, and the and like Andrew said too, or like, or was it Andrew or um, Dom, you saying about that, that hope as a viewer, you know, that, uh, and the question mark, right? Yeah. You know, did that redemption come somewhere in there? Yeah. Um, is that yeah. a, a the merciful God giving Michael basically a the you know he he gives us every shot that can possibly be given to us, you know, and and of yeah. course God who knows the end before the beginning, you know, and not actively willing, you know, if if it's it's, it's a movie, but if it were real, you know, like yeah. it would absolutely not be the will of God actively for Mary to be murdered, you know, for, but, but that idea of somehow in his mysterious providence, you know, and, and 
not for the sake of Michael's salvation, because Mary's life is is infinitely valuable just in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, just it makes you really reflect, right, on on how could we even begin to even have the slightest idea how God's will works, you know, and how right. intertwined everybody's story is and what the meaning of this suffering and this suffering. It's it, yeah, it really opens up a lot of interesting conversations, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, you can't help as especially as a Catholic watching this to be hopeful that that the uh, the repentance um that Michael fully repented and, and, and that, that prayer that he prayed uh, after the confession was, was sincere and, and, and hopefully it, it, it carried on after the the death of his daughter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's open-ended, I guess. I think, mm-hmm. I think I agree. We kind of see the, the figurative death of his, you know, his soul when his daughter dies, I guess. Um, and, and the physical one we see at the end is just sort of the, the bookend. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, it's, you know, the, the, I agree. The ending is effective mostly because of, uh, Al Pacino's performance, um, that, that, that scream. And again, I agree. I think the, the combination of the muted scream, and then we hear it, you know, towards the end, and then you see the, the look on everyone's faces, like Diane Keaton's face, like says mm-hmm. it all in that scene. She's like, just, yeah. she doesn't even have time to process, you know, what happened. She's so focused right, on, right. you know, Michael. Um, it, 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 it really is, uh, uh, an effective, uh, performance at the end. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, you know, mix in with, uh, Sophia's <laughs> performance, but, Again, uh, you f- you feel what you're supposed to feel at the end. I think that was, uh, I, you know, at the very least, Francis Ford Coppola was able to to sort of get that across um, in, in this film. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, again, I think you see the anguish. I think that was an important part of this is to see his anguish with all the again the the the, the religious themes and the crucifix, you know, being everywhere. Um, it, it, it was really a, f- a foreshadowing of, uh, you know, it's like, it's the, the role reversed, right. Of, of Mary watching his son, her son die on the cross. It's, it's, you know, it's Michael watching his daughter die in front of him right? and, and experiencing that, that's that level of anguish. And again, from that confession scene, the Cardinal's telling him, well, you've lived a life of, of sin. Uh, so you're, it's, it's right that you suffer yeah. and, 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 and I think he, I think it was obvious that he understood that, uh, um, if there's anything sort of that redeemable, or at least, uh, we can give credit to Michael is that he understood that what, at least at that point, at, at the end of the film, he understood that he deserved all anything bad that was coming to him right. um and and that that he lived uh, a life full of of sin and, and crime um and that's uh, you know as as a catholic that's that's a hard uh that's hard for anyone to to get to 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 real have that self-realization that that you are a sinner and that that you deserve 
that we all deserve, you know, mm. uh, you know, we all, we all deserve uh, da- damnation. It's only through Christ's mercy that, that we have eternal life. Right. Um, uh, so I think that's a great sort of uh, uh, theme or, or, or symbolism to take from the, the ending of the film. Um, uh, you know, it was a, they could have gone about it a million different ways. And, and uh, again, the movie could have been better and, and we hoped it would be, but you know, the, I think that there, there's a lot to take away from it that, that, like you said, can start a lot of good conversations and, mm. um, and really uh, we can really relate to, especially as, as Christians. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'd like to talk about is just um, the future of the Godfather. There is no IP that Hollywood does not want to uh, to mine into and get every last penny out of uh, sequels. What do you think? Should there ever be a sequel to any of these movies or prequel? Should no. They, should they ever make another Godfather movie? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, no. wasn't there a, a, a novel came out a few years ago that's like a so like a prequel novel or in between that well, something Puzo, like that? Puzo wrote. Uh, like a couple more novels, right? Oh, that's right. So what like, happened was there was the going, Sicilian. There was going to be a fourth oh, yeah. movie. Coppola was and Puzo were writing it. Uh, Leonardo hmm. DiCaprio was going to play a young Sonny Corleone, and uh, then I remember this. Yeah, Puzo died, and so that that all fell apart. And what happened was is um, Edward Falco eventually expanded Puzo's whatever he'd written already into a book that was released in 2012 called the family Corleone. There were some other uh, books that, that Puzo had written, but this was the one that would have been based. That would have been the basis for the, the planned movie sequel. Paramount sued the Puzo estate. The Puzo estate says uh, sued back. They settled out of court. And the result is that uh, the studio has the rights to make future movies. And that's why I asked the question, <laughs> should hmm. there ever be, uh, more Godfather movies. I agree. I think not everything needs to be sequeled. Not everything needs to go on. I think some stories should end. And that's, that's, you it. know, this, this movie, it's, it's like Citizen Kane, you know, it's regarded, you know, as the greatest, one of the greatest, if not the greatest film of all time, like part one or part two, mm-hmm. you know, are interchangeable mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, it, it's 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 up there with again citizen kane and and uh you know francis other film apocalypse now is like you'll never like who would even dare like uh, obviously hollywood yeah hollywood has no shame but like i think there are there are there is a line and i think the godfather will will continue to to hold that line um uh i think uh, hopefully forever um but uh Again, you never know, but I, I think, I think by now, you know, 1990 being the the last Godfather uh, film uh, with with this one, if we haven't had it by now, I think uh, it's a good chance that we're safe. It'll be safe. <laughs> yeah, safe. I did see that <laughs> exactly. Uh, there had been that that speculation of a uh, uh, at the time of a just off the Titanic. It would have been, I guess, uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. As a young Sonny. Yeah. That is an interesting thought. But um, yeah, no, I, I think it would be, I think it would just be you know, foolish to touch it, you know? Yeah. Um, and even something like, you know, I know there's, I know there's been a lot of like derivative, like Wizard of Oz stuff, you know, but I just, like, I could never take seriously 
you know, a full on complete mm-hmm. redo of, of something like like that. Uh, you know, and I, I know uh, even something like like people get all up in arms sometimes about um, some of the uh, the Willy Wonka stuff and all that, too. It's just it's interesting when you those 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 IPs that are so iconic one way or the other, whatever the genre is. And you start hearing talk of like, we should do a reboot. I'm like, if you say reboot one more time, like I'll give you a reboot. Right just, the, yeah, right. Yeah. Right in the rebut. <laughs> like, something, something original, you know, yeah. but, but, yep. uh, and, and just again, the, that's why I love the pitch meeting guy, like on, uh, on YouTube yes. <laughs> with the idea of like, the best. you know, well, and if this doesn't work out, nice. we can just reboot it in two or three. <laughs> there it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I showed them my shirt. Oh, there this is super easy. Yeah. Barely an inconvenience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I didn't even notice that, but no, yeah, that's, <laughs> there's so much, I think there's so much truth in that of just like, you know, when they, when they just meddle instead of just, just let the story be what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's why you, you again, you get the, the first two or so. They're in their own category, right? And the third one's kind of like an epilogue. <laughs> yeah, you or know. coda, as the, as they call it. Yeah, yeah I or mean, co- there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I agree. It it I, I I just think I think it is what it is. It should stay the way the you know what it, what it is and um, enjoy the book. Go read the family Corleone if you want a little right. more. There have been a lot of I mean the the Godfather spawned a whole genre of God, of mafia movies. You know, you're you know you're Donnie Brasco and. Uh, Right. You know, there's a whole bunch of them that that were made in the 80s and 90s and beyond. And then all the Boston gangster movies, you know, The Departed and stuff. I mean, they're all out there. So if you want, I mean, if you make go make a new uh, gangster movie. But the the Corleone family. Yeah, there's no shortage of yeah good mafia stories to be told, like true and fictional. I I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I I totally agree. Yeah. All right. So. uh, I think any final thoughts on, on uh, part three? I mean, just, I don't want to cut you off unless you get, if you get anything off the unsaid. Um, well, I, I just saw on Google that uh, I don't know how I missed this, but I, I guess they, this this already happened a couple, maybe a couple months ago, but it is, it is the 50th anniversary of the original Godfather film. So there's been some re-releases. Yep. The KMC right. put it out in a few theaters. So I, I missed that. I don't know if it was out around here, but I'd like to see them all on the big screen remastered kind of yeah yeah because yeah. I, I have them i have a dvd set from like 15 years ago or something but a lot's happened since then with the technology yeah yeah they 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 do do re-releases of the film on anniversaries like this mm-hmm. yeah yeah man you're right yeah during the oscars they they they, they did a sort of godfather thing for his 50th but uh like other yeah, things took the, the, took the stage at the Oscars. Well, sure right <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how i missed it i guess uh, i know right yeah. yeah but um but yeah i have yeah i have like the blu-ray remastered version of uh cool. the trilogy and it, it looks it looks awesome yeah right. yeah i just have the digital uh you know the itunes movies i bought there but uh, i may i may want to get a, a a better version too because you know the remastered versions because i i saw like you said, I saw a trailer of the remastered part three and I'm like, wow, <laughs> that looks gorgeous. Uh, so yeah. Um, awesome. Very good. All right. Let's uh, I think that is a good place to end it. Uh, we want, before we go, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons and make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including Stephen B, Daniel S, Hillary G, Joseph A and Matthew N. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give 
make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We would love to hear your feedback on what you think of The Godfather Part 3 or what we had to say about it. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets or at the StarQuest Facebook page or send an email to secrets at sqpn.com or visit the new StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Until next time, Andrew Hermes, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of The Godfather Part 3. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Mike Creevy, thank you as well. Oh, hey, anytime. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest.